Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. You're listening to the Wes and Walker Show. I remember one recruiting victory that you did get. It's Wes. I know you remember my quarterback, Paul Troth, and he and I came up there to East Carolina for a visit. And Walker. Vance High School, offensive lineman, big kid, eventually went to Florida. Do you remember Wes Bryant at Vance High there, Coach? Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. If Florida had come along and that young man told me he wanted to come to East Carolina, I probably wouldn't take him because I think he was not very bright. Sometimes Wes will laugh and give me a look as to something being funny. Are you laughing at the song choice here? Just your reaction when it came on. Oh, I had a reaction. No, I know what the song choice is. No, I'm not asking if yeah. you know. This was not a, hey, music knowledge. Well, look, right, right, right. I'm just asking what was the look because I didn't realize I gave a yeah, look. Yeah, no, you just cracked me when it first came on. I guess the guitars were loud and loud. something and you were Yes, Ooh. no, you're, you're yeah. absolutely right. It was extremely loud right in my ear, and so that's why I gave the vape. But, no, I'm down for a little shredding, guitar shredding. I love it. A little break off of the, the hip-hop beds that we usually come back with. Wes and Walker Sports Radio. 92.7 WFNZ. Are you ready for this segment, Fiddy? Because it's going to be the longest that we ask you to speak just a couple of days after celebrating New Year's Eve. I'm born ready. I mean, you're just using my voice as a reason to not want me to talk, which is your ulterior. I mean, that was your motive going into today. All right. We'll see how you hold up. I mean, look, ultimately, everybody's going to understand when you go into a coughing fit and have to turn your mic off here for three minutes. <laughs> But we'll see if you're able to stay fluid. Time now for the, the live wire, wire with Josh Fitty Marlowe. Live wire connect. Live wires on the team connect. Get respect for their realness. I know you feel this. The east and the west, up north to the down south. Live wires connect. All right, let's get back into the Cloud David show. Tepper drama from <laughs> over the weekend down in Jacksonville. Many people had things to say on the matter, including former NFL corner Richard Sherman, who said that this is not correctable, and this has always been who the Panthers owner has been. The situation of him throwing uh, a drink on somebody, I mean, it it, it's, it it seems like it's right on course with, with who he has been in a lot of these situations. He, he feels like he's above the law. He feels like, hey, I'm a billionaire. I can do as I please. And there will not be any retribution. There will not be any consequence. I can I can go buy my my old boss's house and tear it down and build a, a bigger house. I can do things and be rude, and there will not be any consequences. And in this case, I, I would assume he's right, Skip. He's yeah. right. There's not going to be a lot of consequence Probably because not. financial yeah. is not going to do it for him. You you, you find him in five hundred thousand dollars, he'll laugh. A million dollars, he'll laugh. It won't it won't affect his bottom line in the least. So it won't change behavior, even if you, well, what you going to do, ban him from a game, suspend him from a couple games? I mean, I'm sure he doesn't want to go to those games. I'm sure he's throwing drinks at people at the game. So Correct. I just don't know what you do to correct this behavior because they're in a position where 
it's not correctable and it's it's habit and it's not changed. Walker, do you agree with Sherm that this is not a correctable act from Dave Tepper and no form of punishment will correct the way he behaves at game? Anytime we try to figure out a punishment or, you know, making somebody accountable. You can go as extreme as you want to, right? Okay, well, let's just find him two and a half million dollars. Actually, let's find him two hundred and fifty million dollars. Actually, let's find him a billion. Okay, let's suspend him for a month. Let's suspend him for an off season. There, there are ways to where you can just go so far off of the spectrum that it probably doesn't make sense anymore. And I think one of those is forcing him to sell the team because to me that would be too extreme, even for something as dumb as what David Tepper did. Nobody's going to force him to sell the team after the Duvall drink toss. But what I will tell you is that this is a very similar takeaway that I had watching Tepper throw that drink and then try to think about what a punishment would look like and whether that was actually going to alter David Tepper's decision-making process going forward. We haven't seen any evidence as to him learning from his mistakes. So why do I think that's going to happen now? And here's Albert Breer bringing another good point. We haven't heard anything from David Tepper yet. Here we are at 2 o'clock on a Tuesday, a couple days after the event took place. Still nothing from David Tepper. Still really nothing from the NFL. And Albert Breer says, okay, some will say Tepper saying something won't do any good. And that's true. But Breer also says, here's the thing about that. Media access for the week for NFL teams starts tomorrow. So at that point, if Tepper hasn't answered for what it looked like he did, players and coaches he employs will have to and that's a crappy situation yep. because, of course, so now it's David Tepper not taking accountability. He's not going to step up. At, if he's only going to take questions for 10 minutes, barely, after firing a coach in season, then what makes you think he's going to hold any kind of availability or even release a statement within time for before the coaches actually have to take some of these questions? So, yeah, I think that was a great point from Albert Breer as well. Yeah, I agreed with Richard Thurman uh, wholeheartedly as far as what it looked like, what it said, as far as the actions that were taken. And it said to me, yes, I'm rich. I can do what I want to do. I'll do things that the average person can. And even if I do get a punishment, it's not going to really matter. Because at the end of the day, as I said, you know going to the game, you are the owner of the Carolina Panthers. You know you are on enemy turf. You know that you have the windows open. And that fans, especially that are, and I'm not saying that the man who said something was drinking, but we know that that happens at these games too. And that's going to lower inhibitions. And fans are going to say things that they normally wouldn't to people, including David Tepper. He's not immune to that. That's what happens when you don't insulate yourself during the game. And so for him to walk in there knowing all of that, and still, did, did you really think the Panthers, I, I know you go into the game thinking that they will win, that's fine. But at the end of the day, you still have a 2-15 and 15 or 2-14 and 14 football team. So you know that there is a low probability that you win this game and you're going to need to be ready for comments. And yet, and still, he allowed a person to get to him, even if they said something personal. He allowed them to get to him enough to make him to act out in a way. And I truly don't think he thought that he was going to get caught. But cameras now, people's phones are the eye in the sky. They always say in football, the eye in the sky doesn't lie. The eye on these cameras don't lie. How many people now lose jobs, lose everything because they decided to have a bad moment in the public eye and there were plenty of people around them with a phone? You can't do much of anything in a public setting, especially in an NFL game, to where you're not going to get caught 
by cameras. And I guess David Tepper, for some reason, thought that nobody was going to catch him doing what he did, but they did. And so uh, hopefully this is a, a moment of him for him to learn, but I don't think you will. And the last thing I'll say is that you definitely brought up another factor into this. How many guys will he look at as players and say, I don't want to bring that guy in because he's a distraction? Or when a player does something to a team, oh, that's a distraction. Well, now he has become the number one distraction for this team. Thanks a lot. Because nobody's going to be asking the players about the game with the Buccaneers this week. They'll ask a little bit. But the main topic of conversation until they put the pads on on Sunday is going to be about their owner. I like what is being a part of Tepper's thought process to bring new talent or whether it comes down to a personnel decision that he's clearly meddling in. He's like, well, now this town only has room for one distraction. That's right. Can't bring any more because I'm going to do that. So what am I going to do bringing another player that might be a distraction? Please, man, he can't be on this football team. That's my title. Yesterday afternoon at the Rose Bowl, Michigan got by Alabama to advance to their first national championship game of the playoff era. And after the game, Jim Harbaugh made it known, him and his program, they don't care about the outside noise. You know, it's just the way this team is built um, and the way how connected they are as as players and, and we are as a team, it's it's unanimous support for each and every guy. And um, you know, it's almost been an unfair advantage. I mean, all the things that that uh, you know the the team has gone through. I mean, we don't care anymore. We don't care what people say. We don't care about uh, um, anything that comes up. We just know we're going to overcome it because uh, it's unanimous support from uh, every single guy on the team. Wes, did you find yourself cheering for Harbaugh at all during yesterday's game, or was your rooting just because you didn't want to see Bama in yet another national title game? No, I've always liked Harbaugh. And as I said, uh, growing up, my, my uncle was a Michigan fan all of his life. So I've always rooted for them because I wanted him to, you know, be happy and for Michigan to get dubbed. And so in this spot, especially, yeah, the SEC hate came into an effect. Uh, me wanting to see Alabama lose came into an effect, even though I picked them to win this game and picked them to win the whole thing, frankly, because I thought they were so hot and so confident after beating Georgia. But, yes, I definitely wanted Michigan uh, to win this football game. I don't necessarily buy that they don't hear the noise and all that. I think that's massive cap because uh, you could see some of the nerves of some of the players with some of the mistakes that were made. And also, if they would have lost to Alabama again, that would have been damaging and you would have been able to read it on the body language of the players because they know what our favorite term, the narrative is with Michigan is that when they play the SEC teams or whatever the case may be, they don't fare as well, especially against Alabama. And so the players would have been very upset with themselves for losing yet again to the Crimson Tide. Well, what's also funny about this specific, we don't care about the outside noise, because clearly anybody who says it, I'm going to look at you with an eyebrow raise. Right. Yes, I'm sure that you heard all of this before, but we know they heard about it because the interim head coach was sitting there bawling his eyes yes. out after the first win. You're meaning to tell me oh, that God. you were just bawling because <laughs> you didn't hear anything and it was just your internal feelings, not having heard heard all the other adversity like no we heard what all that meant to you because you were sobbing in front of the camera so michigan clearly had all of this at the forefront we've seen players respond to what is the quote-unquote outside noise but it's fine it worked for them and here they are in a championship where jim harbaugh is going to have that chance to win a college football championship after not being able to beat ohio state for consecutive years and 
having the conversation about whether he should be fired for not beating the rival plenty of years in a row, finally getting over that hump, now having a winning streak over his rival himself, fixing the quarterback issue, because that was always the thing that held them back. Do you have enough of a star at QB in order to bring you to the promised land? Well, now here's McCarthy, who's clearly very good. The The defense is still very good. The running game is still a real problem, and it might all end up in a championship over Washington, and we got the two undefeated teams facing off against one another. Excited to see what's in store. Yeah, he's the GOAT, according to Harbaugh. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Well, earlier in the campus corner, we were trying to dissect what went wrong on the final play for Alabama. Well, right here, Nick Saban will tell you what happened. Coach Saban, could you talk about the last play and what made that one the best one that, that you wanted to go with? Uh, we called three plays. Um, one they called timeout. One we called timeout. And the last one that didn't work. So the fact that it didn't work made it a really bad call. You know what I mean? So um, but we called timeout because we had a bad look. We had a good look on the first one. Uh, they must have known it. Um, but Tommy just felt like the best thing that we could do uh, was have a quarterback run, uh, which was kind of our two-point play, one of our two-point plays for this game. And the ball was on the three-yard line, which is just like a two-point play. So. But we didn't get it blocked, so it didn't work. We didn't execute it very well, and it didn't work. And they pressured, and we thought they would pressure, uh, but we thought we could gap them and block, block them and make it work, and it did. Walker, was this a scenario where coaches maybe just overthought it because there were back-to-back timeouts, and you should have just stuck with your original play call? No, I don't think it was overthinking. In fact, if anything, I'm not accusing them of this, but if anything, it's underthinking it. It's just thinking that, okay, Jalen Milrow is an athlete at QB. It's a three-yard situation. You heard him talk about how that was a two-point play call. It's the same type of position on the field, close to the goal line. Got to have it. And let's just give it to Jalen Milrow. But he also told you, sometimes you can have a right play call, even if you don't have the right execution. The snap was low. It's at his feet. So now you're not comfortable immediately having received the snap if you're Milrow. They didn't get it blocked. And so when they bring pressure and you still don't get it blocked and you have a low snap, it's going to be really hard to be successful on that play. And sure enough, they get stopped and Michigan goes on to win the football game. Yeah. uh, As I said, I didn't have a ton of issue with Alabama's play call because I have a quarterback that is as dynamic as Jalen Milrow is. And I have an offensive line that has been one of the most dominant uh, in college football for quite some time. So I don't uh, disagree with what they did. I just wish they would have given Jalen Miro another option on the play as well. Like just a simple RPO. I would have been okay with that because I just want my quarterback to have something. If part A fails, I want him to have a plan B that he could possibly fall back on. We all knew the Orange Bowl was going to be bad, and it was going to be a bloodbath. I don't think we thought it was going to be 63-3. to And after the game, Kirby Smart said, something needs to be fixed because, well, that was unfair. People need to see what happened tonight, and they need to fix this. It needs to be fixed. It's very unfortunate that they, who has a good football team and a good football program, are in the position they're in. And everybody can say it's their fault and it's all their own problem. All right? And everybody can say that we had our guys and they didn't have their guys. I can listen to all that. 
But college football has got to decide what they want. And I know things are changing. And I think things are going to change next year. And you know what? There's going to still be bowl games outside of those. People got to decide what they want and what they really want to get out of it. Because it's really unfortunate for those kids on that sideline that had to play in that game that didn't have their full arsenal. And it affected the game 100%. Wes, I know we said no foul line in the first segment of the show. I know you've got words for Florida State. If I need to cue it, you just let me know. Well, I would love to cue it. I know we're right up against the break, or do we have the time? What should we, you know, what, what do we have going here? Because I do have uh, thoughts and feelings. Don't right, look at this go. to see whether this is a flagrant. <laughs> mm, I'll make scary. it quick. I don't, even, I don't even know if I want to see that again. <laughs> you've got to think that's going to be a flagrant. The question is, is it a one or a two? <laughs> oh, FSU came into this bowl game and your quarterback Brock Glenn talked about how you guys should be crowned national champions if you win this game over the Georgia Bulldogs. And everybody after the game, after that 63-3 drubbing you took, talked about culture with FSU. Then nobody's going to sit here and feel bad for your players when you had all of the opt-outs that you did. Nobody's feeling bad for that because all we heard after you were left out was how you guys got done dirty and you're writing letters to Congress and what an egregious situation that was. And instead of them having the football character to say, you know what? We're going to go out on our swords. We're going to go out here and play for the school. We're going to finish with one of the few undefeated seasons that we have ever had, and we're going to do it at the hands of the Georgia Bulldogs and come out and show you that we are indeed one of the nation's best teams. But you didn't do that. Everybody wanted to go to the NFL. Then you've got guys that are going in and coming out at halftime in street clothes after playing the first half. I said, what the hell is this? These guys are acting like they're the first 20 picks of the draft, and all of them are going in the first round. Sorry, some of you guys are going to be undrafted free agents. Some of you are going to be late-round picks that's going to struggle to make the team. So I don't really get how you don't see an opportunity against the Georgia Bulldogs to come out and prove yourself is going to help you. And, oh, yeah, when Georgia put their backups in the game, they were still beating the brakes off of you. Gunnar Stockton comes in and throws a couple of touchdown passes. They had multiple running backs over five yards per carry. So sorry, Florida State. Yes, your team did quit. It does show a lack of culture when you want to go through straight transfer portal, not developing homegrown guys. And then when it comes down to it, everybody showed what time it was as far as football character goes. People can say what they want about, yeah, I get the players protecting themselves. It's bull crap. I can't stand it. You should have come out there and tried to secure that undefeated season for your school. Then you could have had your campaign. You could have hung your banners and had your T-shirts. At the end of the day, FSU just needs to shut the hell up and sit down and take that L. And know after what happened to Alabama, it was not poetic justice because you wouldn't have fared as well. All right. So that, yeah, we, we did go to the foul line, not against David Tepper, but against FSU as, you know, the, the meme with the Simpsons saying, stop, stop, he's already dead. That's exactly what just happened to Florida State, and Wes decided to go in and kick a dead body. That'll do it for the live wire with Fitty. We'll move on, go back to the David Tepper conversation, and also, is Scott Fitterer just going to return next season? Where are, are we on the Scott Fitterer front? It's coming up next, Wes and Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, 
Ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Dan writes on the text line. First foul line of the year, straight fire. That was like the scene from Don't Be a Menace while drinking your juice in the hood where they were stomping old boy out. That's what you just did to Florida State, man. I felt bad for the Seminoles the way you did that. Yeah, I mean, I I, I didn't feel bad at all. And uh, DJ Uyangalale has announced that he'll be coming to uh, Florida State to try to help them get into the playoffs next year. So it looks like. He's going to be the guy. I thought Brock Glenn had a couple of nice throws, man. Some of the guys dropped some of those in that game. Do you think DJU in Tallahassee is a good move for both parties? Uh, Yeah, I think Florida State right now, I mean, all of their quarterbacks have transferred out, and that's been another knock against uh, Norvell that's come out that every quarterback that he's recruited now has transferred out of the program. And so Brock Glenn, with what you saw from him, yeah, it was decent, but you're not – Getting to the playoffs with him, I don't suspect. So they needed somebody and with Cam Ward looking like it's either going to be Miami or the NFL. So they needed the guy. So I think DJ comes in there and solidifies that position. They may not get dynamic play from him, yeah. but I think he's come in and he's going to solidify that position. He likes to throw the ball deep, and uh, FSU will supply him with the guys to be able to do that. It does feel like a step back, though. I mean, it's hard when Jordan Travis is going to be a Heisman candidate, but it feels like it's a, a decent step back. I'd... I'd, I think we have different evaluations. I said he had a B-plus no, year yeah. last year, so I think that's what he is. I think he's a B-plus quarterback. I just don't know if I'm – I'm not scared of DJ. I, I'm scared of Jordan Travis. I'm not too I'm not too scared of, of DJU. And if you're a Florida State, I feel like if you wanted to try to keep it going, then, you know, do you just go out and bring somebody more dynamic? It, it's hard, I know. But DJ, going to Florida State, we'll see what he's able to do the second go-around in the ACC. Uh, a couple of transfers now for DJU. All right, we know somebody that we'd like to have transfer out of an organization. We know David Tepper. We'd love to see it. <laughs> I really don't know if it's going to happen with Scott Fitterer, though. I, the more we get closer to the end of the year, the closer we get. I feel like the doubt also grows within me as far as trying to figure out if Scott Fitterer is going to come back. I used to think there was no need for urgency to make this decision because it's not like you could get a leg up on the competition to go get a GM or whoever in order to replace Scott Fitterer. Like we've seen it before. We've seen a couple of coaching firings this season where the GM is also out the door. And so once that happens, it's like, okay, well, you know, maybe they just decided to do it at the beginning of this off season. Most of the work from the GM or the president usually does happen in the off season anyway. And so there's really no rush, but now Wes, I mean, the closer we get, and we still don't see a decision made. I mean, maybe it could happen this week, just a week earlier. We'll see that every once in a while instead of a decision being made Black Monday. I'll just throw it to you. Like, what do you think the chances are that he actually is the GM next season? Uh, I think it's slim. Uh, I think even though we haven't heard anything yet, and I, I've seen some texts on the text line that 
he's a Tepper guy as far as people speculating that he's the yes man that David Tepper enjoys working with and that that will keep him employed. And that very well may be the case. But I think at the end of the day, I think Tepper's been so frustrated, as we saw with him throwing the drink. The frustration is at an all-time high. So I could see him deciding to say, hey, man, let's just start this thing from scratch and uh, build it brick by brick. Well, if you're going to get back in the good graces of the fan base and you do what they want you to do, it would be to fire Scott Fitterer. This whole trying to keep stability and continuity a thing. Now, we we mean that for everybody outside of Scott Fitterer right now. Like we, sure, you want to keep Avero even with back-to-back lackluster performances from the defense. We'd still like you to keep Avero around somehow. Defensive coordinator, head coach, whatever. That we'd be accepting of. But Scott Fitterer, after all of what took place this season, when there's not enough help for Bryce Young via pass catchers or offensive line, and the guy making a lot of those decisions across two regimes now is Scott Fitterer, and he stays for a third? Nah, man. Fan base is not going to welcome that. So when we ask, how can David Tepper start to undergo some damage control? Keeping Scott Fitterer is not a part of that. Finding a new GM, that has to be the answer. And while I don't trust David Tepper to make the right decision, I do want him to move on because you are ultimately the owner of this team. You're not going anywhere, even despite you tossing the drink in Jacksonville Stadium. I know you're still going to be the owner, and so I know you're still going to be the guy making the decisions on who to hire at the GM, and then hopefully the GM can hire the head coach, even if Tepper is for sure going to have his hand in it. But I I do think that if he wants to get back in the good graces, Scott Fitterer got to go. And that's the thing. Is it an instant gratification thing as far as does Tepper, what is his timeline on fixing this? Because that's a huge question at all this. When you look at the impatience with the coaches and how he hasn't given anything, any time to build. And we've seen this in a completely different organization, whether it's Charlotte FC or this. And so that's the thing. What is his philosophy at this point now? How sobering has this season been for him? Does he now look at this and say, all right, this thing's going to take a couple of years, which I think is very far-fetched for him to say, I'm going to back off and let this thing build, have the patience to be able to do it. Because, again, from everything that we've seen, he wants to win not now but right now. And so what is his philosophy to get this done? And I feel like another way that he could get back in the good graces of the fan base, look, man, just have a heart-to-heart with everybody. People can relate to getting angry and maybe not throwing drinks on somebody, but people can relate to getting that angry to want to do that. And I think – there are some ways that he can flip this thing around, but I think he's really got to own it. He's really got to let the fan know, look, man, this isn't the type of year we wanted. I did some things I'm not proud of, but I guarantee you this, I'm dedicated to get, get dedicated to getting this doggone thing right. And I think if he comes with that type of energy towards the fans, I think that would go a long way because right now we just starting to feel like the perception of him that a lot of people have a $20 billion man. That's way up here. When you, if people choose to look at the value of a person by their money and status, Mm -hmm. then yeah, he's coming across as if I'm way up here and you guys are way down here and you'll get what I give you and you're going to like it. All right. 704-570-9610. Feel free to text in on the Carolina men's clinic text line. When we're trying to figure out if Scott Fitterer is going to stick around M dog writes in, if he was going to fire him, he would have already done did it. He's safe. So Scott Fitterer is someone that he thinks is going to be safe. I, I think that's fair. The, no, it is fair. I, I Yes. As we get closer to the end of the season, it really might happen. I, I just, what's the defense? There's no way to defend it now. 
I used to be somebody that defended Scott Fitterer. I used to be the guy that pointed to the contractual responsibility for Matt Rule saying he had 51% control over personnel. So anything Scott Fitterer did, clearly having his hand in personnel decisions, but Matt Rule is the guy that could override on some of the bigger decisions, like trading for a QB, going after Sam Donald, going after Teddy Bridgewater, whoever, right? So I always said Matt Rule is the one that we should blame first and foremost. But now we go to a Frank Reich where this was all Scott Fitterer at this point, and we can go to what happened this offseason in free agency and look at the free agent decisions and the draft decisions where nothing looks like it's working out, at least now, including your QB at number one overall. But David Tepper might have made that decision, I guess. I, the, the only way for you to defend Scott Fitterer is, okay, the offensive line looked good two years ago. That was the saving grace. Even if they have you know, gone downhill this year, even if they've regressed, the offensive line looked good last year. I'm the one that made the Bryce Young decision if you're David Tepper, right? If you're deciding to fire him or not. I'm the one that decided to draft that QB number one overall. It's not Scott's fault. But even then, Wes, I, none of these defenses seem good. None of them are enough to justify him keeping his job. And I think that's the hard thing. So ultimately, I'm with you. I do think they're going to move on. And that's the thing, though. If you do decide to keep him on, you talk about somebody that's going to earn their job this coming offseason, if he is fortunate enough to be able to keep his job with no first-round draft pick and all of the things that the Panthers need, this would be, in my opinion, if I were David Tepper and decided, hey, I'm going to give you one more year to get this thing right, this would be it right here, man, because you've got so many things. If you don't put them at least on a trajectory to being better, then you are certainly not the guy for this job because whomever takes that post is going to have their work cut out for him because the Panthers need so much, and oh, yeah, you don't have a top-round draft pick to do that. And so now... When we look at the Green Bay game, after how they played, how much do you take away? And, and hit us up on the text line, 704-570-9610, the Charlotte Men's Clinic text line. Let us know how much do you guys still take away from this Green Bay game after what we saw against Jacksonville? Was the Green Bay game more of the anomaly or was it this one? Yeah, I don't think progress is linear. Talked about that a lot. It's not crazy to see Bryce Young struggle once more before the season ends. But I hate that it happened this way when you don't even score a single point. Yes, part of that is because you didn't have Eddie Pinheiro. You could have put up some field goals. But even then, it's not like Bryce Young played well. I can admit that. The offensive line wasn't good. DJ Chark had three straight drops that could have put them in scoring territory. But it doesn't mean that Bryce Young was a good QB and everything around him is as you know was the real reason as to why he suffered. To be honest with you, Wes... I thought there were some times he should have got rid of the football even faster. I mean, Taylor Moten, Icky Iquanu, yeah, Icky allowed a couple of sacks. Didn't happen on every single play. And some of those sacks, I think, were quarterback stats. Sometimes it can be the quarterback's fault as to why you're brought down. Sometimes it was Bradley Bozeman or really even Cade Mays missing on guys, you know, getting past the line of scrimmage. Yeah, he didn't play well. It doesn't mean that we have to completely disregard what happened against Green Bay, there were some really good throws. And I think that's what I pay attention to, Wes. I don't think that you throw that in the trash can. I think we saw something that we wanted to see from a number one overall pick. And if he shows you he's even capable of it, yes, he needs to show you that he can be consistent. But if he shows you he's even capable of it in his first year, then I'm one that's always going to take that away more so than the negatives because it is really hard to transition from college to the pros. 
that's not Alec. That's not trying to compare to what C.J. Stroud was doing in Houston before he got hurt. That's not what I'm. You know, he can do whatever he wants to. People improve at different speeds, but with Bryce, he showed you what he is capable of against Green Bay, and so it doesn't mean that we can just throw that in the trash because they were shut out against Jackson. Yeah, and I think people too. As frustrating as it is to have the type of season that they're having. But I think, though, that you do need to give grace because when you look at the storylines for these teams coming into the season, we thought Bryce coming in was going to be the last piece to not necessarily take them to a Super Bowl, but to have them as an NFC South contender year in, year out. You thought the offensive line was going to pick up where they left off. You thought that they were going to be able to run the ball. And you thought that the weapons that they brought in would be decent enough. But then everything fell apart, and that's how the NFL is because when you flip and look at Houston, come on now, let's not do hindsight 2020. Nobody thought that this Houston team was going to be in the position that they're in. None of you thought Nico Collins and Noah Brown and Tank Dell and all these guys were going to come in and have the seasons they had, and C.J. Stroud was going to be able to take Houston to where they have. And so that's just how uh, unpredictable that the NFL can be. And so for Bryce Young, when you looked at the situation, I saw that to say when you thought that he was going to come in and be the guy that was just a plug-and-play piece that was going to help them improve upon how they ended the year last year, well, you never took into account that things could fall apart, and they did. And so that's why I think for Bryce that you do have to give him a little bit of leeway. Man, there's so much. And, I mean, at this point now, we see that it's so much on and off the field that this young man has had to deal with. And I don't know a rookie. You show me a rookie that came in and had next to uh, not a lot around him to help him, a bad offensive line that came in and was dominant. I'll wait on that one because it doesn't happen, okay? Like, you're trying to learn the game week by week, and then everybody around you, uh, you've got a lot of ineptitude around you on and off the field in the front office and the whole nine. And so I think that, that that's the thing. But what I'll take away from the Green Bay game is seeing that, Bryce is capable. If anything, I would take away that Bryce is capable of having a big-time NFL game because to that point, we weren't sure that that was going to happen. We didn't know at that point that Bryce was going to have a 250-yard game, let alone a 300-multi-touchdown game. So if I took away anything from it, it's just that Bryce is capable. I've seen it. Green Bay isn't the greatest defense in the world. They aren't the worst defense in the world. But I saw that he's capable of doing it when the time calls. And so – Great question we have here. We're a little bit up against it, but we'll hit this one real quick. Have the feelings shifted now to Ezero Evero? Because this defense, man, they have not answered the bell the last two weeks. Uh, they were the cure for what ailed the Green Bay Packers, whether you talk about Aaron Jones coming in and having a dominant performance. He did. Travis Etienne got back on track. Jacksonville's offense was C.J. Beathard, of all people, came out and was able to uh, execute on this team and out physical them. And so now are we looking at Israel Evero a little bit differently after the last two outings? Yeah, I, I don't think so. I think there's too much good work to look at to say, okay, now he's not somebody I want to be a part of this. It, it's too reactionary. If you have pretty much most of the season of good work as a defensive play caller, and then you have back-to-back games where, yeah, you do give up a lot of points early against Green Bay, but then your defense settled down a little bit. You still have injuries that you're dealing with. I think losing J.C. Horn, having to call on Shaq Griffin to step up immediately, which, yeah, it's been a problem with J.C. He's been hurt constantly, and we can get to that as the week goes on. But I do think that for the most part, 
Avero has done still a really nice job. And so, no, my, my confidence is not wavering on him. If he was the decision to be the next head coach for this team, just because of what I've seen against Jacksonville against and against Green Bay, those two games are not telling me, oh, man, now I really wish they'd go after a different head coach. What I think also, too, Wes, I wonder just how much it wears on these guys the fact that you continue to look at the other side of the ball and they get stopped on every fourth down. They can't get any field goals up there because you don't have a kicker. And so you got to go out there, you know, with, okay, the team has scored 16 after the Travis Etienne. So three field goals you give up. Ben, don't break. Then you give up the big run to Travis Etienne. All right, still only 16 points at that end. So it's not like they're blowing the doors off of the Panthers defense. But then you look to the other side and think, okay, it's still a two-possession game, couple touchdowns, two-point conversions, and then we're right back in it. You look at the scoreboard, oh, wait, we haven't scored a single point. Oh, it's been all too familiar. It doesn't mean that the defense can lay down, but I do have to imagine that there is at least some kind of subconscious effect that it has on those guys. Yeah, I think that the run defense has been a problem for the Panthers all season, and so it's shown up late in the year. And I still think, you know, when you look at – Evero's defenses, and you look at sack percentage, Denver's up upper, well, less than 1% from what they were last year, but they were 5.62% as far as sack percentage last year, and that was kind of the knock on Denver's defense and the Panthers at 5.07, and they're lower than they were last year. And so that's the only thing with me for him is that can he be a guy that can really design defenses that – are going to get the quarterback on the ground often enough because to me that's what takes your defense from good to great is, yeah, they're good against, they're good on third down, they're good total yardage, but can you sack the quarterback and, and put that type of fear uh, into other teams? So when we come back on the Wesson Walker Show, we're going to talk about tonight's games. Got a Carolina Hurricanes update for you. All of that, and we close this thing down on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. One more segment to go on Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. To borrow a line from Adam Sandler, can somebody get this man a happy meal? (laughs) Wes Bryant during the break said, you know what? Just kind of talking to himself a little bit to us and himself. Said, I have a hankering for an adult happy meal from McDonald's. I did not know that adult happy meals were a thing. I asked him, wait, does that basically just mean you are an adult and you order a Happy Meal and do whatever with the toy, give it to the baby, whatever? <laughs> said, no, they actually brought them back. Have you ever had one before, Wes? I had not had one before, and I said the text line could probably help out on what they used to offer, but the new one, it did some collaboration with Kerwin Frost, whoever the hell that is. <laughs> uh, you get a choice of a 10-piece Chicken McNuggets or Big Mac, fries, soft drink, and a special McNugget Buddy. 
collectibles. So. so, yeah, Kerwin Frost, I was looking him up, too. I guess McDonald's has done these. Play, what, they did one with Travis Scott. Did they yeah. do one with Cardi? Or No, they did a Cardi be an offset uh, okay. meal. They each gotcha. had their own meal. And I think they did one with Saweetie, too. Okay. Yeah. Kerwin Frost, as I look up on Google, an American entertainer and DJ <laughs> from Harlem, New York. That's all I see. Yeah. So have we, I mean, look, you're all up to date on new music dropping. Like, I am older than you in this regard here, but we don't both don't know who Kerwin yeah, Frost I don't know is. Who he is. All right, this is, I guess, what it feels like to be old. <laughs> but I could get down with an adult Happy Meal. Looks like there's a Big Mac included in there. What's yeah, Big all included? Big Mac or 10 piece with fries. Uh, of course, you get the drinking and you get the McNugget Buddy collectible. So you get a little buddy. <laughs> what, what would you rather have? And the adult happy meal. Um, can be some bad answers here. No, but. I think I think that's a pretty good uh, combination of a meal. I expected it to be smaller. Like I said, I don't know what used to come in the old ones because my mom used to get them a lot. But mm. I, I feel like, you know, it was maybe a cheeseburger with a bigger fry or something. I don't know, but you know, I'm here for the food. But I do like the nostalgia of the McNugget, buddy. My favorite series of toys that they ever gave out for the Happy Meals. Do you remember when they came out with the Space Jam? wheel puzzle type figures so you could put them all together in a puzzle they had wheels on the bottom and then you put them all together and then it just had all sorts of space jam characters that came together as one i think i was out of the loop because just yeah for the happy meal toys i I was out of the loop on that one man but lord knows mcdonald's used to come with the fire promotional items we could spend a whole segment (laughs) talking about mcdonald's for no promotional items k-town steve said for the happy meal and it could include airplane bottles you could do. Right. I'm sure people <laughs> got to get a different license for that. And I was the guy that used to come into McDonald's and ask for specific promo items. I would request exactly which mm-hmm. one it was that I wanted. Oh, uh, yeah. Lots of people are doing exactly what I thought and giving us some, you know, not necessarily air friendly <laughs> present ideas from the Happy Meal. Uh, I know you have some news in the wrestling world that you wanted to share with the people here. Wes. Yeah, I mean, I said it earlier, but last night, The Rock is day one. The WWE's new year has started, and The Rock came out and blessed us with his presence. Jinder Mahal came out. They, they tried to throw everybody off. They said a former WWE champion was going to appear on Raw that night. So when they bring out Jinder Mahal, he's a former WWE champion, but everybody knew that that was Cap and that something bigger was on the way. And then midway through his speech, the Rock just crashes. It comes out. The crowd pop was tremendous. He talks big trash to Jinder Mahal. They're going back and forth about USA things and the state of the country. Rock sings him his own version of the national anthem, which was pretty hilarious. And then at the end of the day, he asked San Diego. He said, hey, listen, I'm going to go get something to eat. Where should I sit? Should I sit at the bar? Should I sit at a booth? And I predicted it before the words came out or at the head of the table. And for the WWE heads, they know what that means. He pointed that right at his cousin, Roman Reigns, the head of the table, which means more than likely that WrestleMania in Philadelphia this year is going to be the most lit of all time because we got a potential rock Roman Reigns match on the horizon. I yelled out, let's go. As soon as he said the head of the table, I yelled out, let's go two or three times. You should be a promoter for them. It's going to be the greatest WrestleMania of all time. Man, what? Listen. We hear that every year, though, right? No, no, not quite. Not quite. You get certain matches that get set up to where you know that it's about to be crazy because last year they surpassed everything as far as attendance, ratings, merchandise sales. Like, they blew it out of the water last year. 
But now you're talking rock and Roman. Come on, dog. Like, that's like two all-timers. It's damn near like if you could bring an old NFL team back from back in the day to play against another great team from whenever, man. This is going to be sick. It's got the potential to be one of the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time. Um, are you going to the AEW wrestling event taking place later this yes, week? Yes, I will be there. Uh, me and Bryce, and you know, we're going to pull up, man. I definitely want to go to AEW and check that out as well. Alright, so I, I know sometimes it sounds a little clunky when we try to figure out what's going to happen on the show and we do it on air. But Fiddy, I did want to ask you, can we share what might happen with A and or AEW? I'm saying A and W like it's a root beer. AEW a little bit later on in the week. Do we have confirmation on anything? They're about to set it off. The text line is already talking wrestling talk now. Oh yeah. Yeah. I I'm I'm comfortable that we can share this news. Um on Thursday, we are going to have the big show. Yeah, that's awesome. So even I know who that is. Yeah. Big show. In fact, it's one of the guys that I remember most from when my friends would be into wrestling just because of the sheer size of who is the big show. How excited are you to be able to talk to him? I think that's at least how it's playing right now. Wes. I mean, what one of the attitude <laughs> era guys I'm on a guy seven feet plus. I think he's lost a good bit of weight. So he's probably down in the three eighties, maybe four hundreds. But I just I want to take a picture with him palming Fiddy's face. That's what I want to see. His hand <laughs> up against Fiddy's face. Because I said it's going to make it look like that a skittle. <laughs> he's going to make Fiddy's head look like a skittle. He is so big. What What is his height? Like he's like seven two and weighs you know four fifty something ridiculous like that. He is. I mean, how, and how long has he been doing it? Because I, if I know who he is from my childhood, I mean, his shoe size is a twenty two five e. I never even heard of that. And his ring size is a twenty two. All right, so we, we I see that he's listed at seven feet. Uh, what's funny is, Fiddy said, "Yeah, you know, we're getting somebody. His name is Paul White." Yeah, and we all were like, "Okay, who's yeah, that? I was like, said, who?" Otherwise known as the Big Show. And then Wes, oh bleep, <laughs> <laughs> the Big Show's about to hop on. Yeah. What is great is we're expecting him in studio. Yes, which, which is going to be even more fun. Yeah. So, folks, stay tuned to the social medias. Yeah, look at Kyle. Even Kyle just looked up. I can't wait to film the man coming through the door because well, that door there, is mostly, Kyle Bailey here. That, that that door is built for somebody at max, probably six three, six four. Walk. Oh, yeah. I know he has a duck under a little so bit. About, like the, the the big show, the Kevin big Nash show. coming through here. So no, not, sure, Kevin not Kevin Nash. Nash. I'm sorry, the big show. The big. Uh, show. But I, I was I was I'm not a wrestling guy either. Like Walk. Like right. I grew up on it, but I, I've lost touch with it for years. But I was literally just thinking about the big show late last week. I swear, to, I was thinking to myself, I had a conversation with a buddy of mine. We were talking about a, a friend of ours, and he was like, yeah, he weighs about like 325. And I was like, no, 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 not yeah. the big show. No, yeah. a different guy, different guy. Oh, okay. And so I, we were talking about how, you know, just it's not easy sometimes to look at people and realize how much they weigh. And one of the first guys that jumped into my mind was the big show, because you wouldn't look at that guy and think, oh, he weighs 500 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> but he does yeah. weigh 500 yeah. pounds. Yeah. Or at least he, he did at one point. He's, he's lost a good bit of weight, man. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's should be super exciting so you guys tune in for that yeah I, I think now after the weight loss what i see on google is that he's 383 yeah. so you're right it's 500 when you're that big oh goodness gracious yeah i man. can't wait that'll be a lot of Kane fun gang three wins in a row sebastian i hold 11 points in the last three games for them man we got some good local college basketball tonight wake 
who was dubbed by Seth Greenberg the best starting five in the ACC. I'm on the wagon. Let's go, Deeks. You heard it straight from him. Said Wake's going to be a top 20 team. Big time, Houston, Duke tonight, and Carolina and Pitt. Right, go that, Pitt Panthers. That little birdie that told Wes there was like, what, 17,000 pros yeah, on the basketball Yeah, he said it was seven roster. or eight pros on the team. <laughs> well, they're coming. They're That's coming right, baby. for the North Let's get Carolina it. Tar Heels. That'll do it for Weston Walker. Keep it right here. You know a good show is coming up with Kyle Bailey alongside Smoke Ludwig, 92.7 WFNZ.